In yet another brilliant gospel scene, Jesus is being confronted by the Pharisees. The rulers, the teachers, those with influence at that time, confronting Jesus, likely because they feel threatened by him and his public ministry, the things he was saying and doing. As we just heard, they challenge his authority. Show us your credentials, Jesus. Who authorized you to teach here? Jesus responds with this beautiful parable, this story, which turns the tables entirely on them. It's the parable of the two sons, not to be confused with the story of the prodigal son. That's a different parable. This is the parable of the two sons. It's not as well known, perhaps. Barbara Brown Taylor calls this parable the yes and no brothers. Today, I'm going to call it the yes and no children, partly because I have two of my children with me here today. Oh, just one minute here. I noticed earlier parts of the sanctuary were a little dusty, and I, I, I just wondered maybe if one of my children, Theo, would you help out a little bit? I have a, a cloth here to dust and just go around cleaning a little bit. Will you do that for me? No. <laughs> okay, Serena. Serena, look, I even have some wipes. Would you just do a little dusting around? There's work to do. Great, thank you. Yes, okay. The yes and no children. That's what I'll call it this morning. Dale Bruner, in his commentary, helps us understand the context of this story. He writes, Matthew, in writing this gospel, believed that Jesus saw Israel as two, not one. Jesus saw Israel as two, not one. Believing Israel and unbelieving Israel. Bruner says, Matthew believed Jesus saw that Israel had its remnant, had some faith, and faith where it was least expected, largely among the despised classes. The yes child and the no child. These teachers of the law, these ones challenging Jesus in this story, they were the yes children. The ones who thought they had it all right, they knew what to say, they had all their ducks in a row. Barbara Brown Taylor again, they said yes to God as they acted out a great big no to Jesus. 
They confused their own convictions for obedience to God. They poured over theology and understanding. Yes, yes, yes. While neglecting to put any of it into action. You know, just a couple chapters further into Matthew, we read a story of Jesus using pretty harsh words to describe them. Hypocrites, he calls them. Whitewashed tombs, Matthew 23. Clean and glistening on the outside, dead on the inside. Just one minute here. Serena, how's the cleaning going? Are you, you said yes. Are you doing anything? You're doing it. Okay. Theo, I, I know you said no. I have more cleaning stuff here. Do you want to help out? There's more to do. You could dust? No. Okay. Okay. The father in this parable, makes it clear to both children there's work to be done. There's a vineyard out there, and there's work to be done. And it's a good thing, too, I guess in one sense. Imagine if there was no work to be done as followers of Jesus. Imagine if there was nothing that we were called to do. There was no action to it. Imagine what kind of faith that would be like. What a boring, incomplete experience of faith, I would suggest. If there was no participatory piece, if there was no active component to acting out our faith, nothing tangible, nothing real. Imagine if faith was only words and nothing more than that. And imagine how much brokenness and pain, suffering, injustice, hatred, abuse would remain. Imagine how much reconciliation would not happen if that were the case. If faith only had to do with saying the right things and doing nothing about it, the yes child and the no child. As it is, there is work to be done. There is a vineyard to tend. What a rich image that is that Jesus uses. We find that elsewhere, that same image of a vineyard. I love that image, and certainly the people at that time would have resonated, the listeners in Jesus' day, the image of a vineyard. When I read it, I'm reminded of, of that rich passage in John 15, a different gospel book, where Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. He says there, I am the true vine. You are the branches. And he says, remain in me, abide in me, and I will remain in you. And you will bear much fruit. Not you will obtain correct doctrine. No, remain in me, 
and I will remain in you, and you will bear much fruit. There's a garden out there. There's work to be done. A vineyard to tend. And there is a diversity of workers out there using their gifts and abilities to participate in the work. The vineyard allows for diversity in belief and unity in action. The vineyard. Forgive me for, again, quoting Barbara Brown Taylor, but she's just so good. She says, What we believe has no meaning apart from what we do about it. There is not a creed or a mission statement in the world that is worth one visit to a sick friend or one cup of water held out to someone who's longing for it. She says later, there is no shortage of people who say, believe, or stand for all the right things. We have always, there have always been plenty of those in the world. But what God is short of are people who will go where God calls them and do what God gives them to do, even, say, if it goes against their beliefs. Or to quote Soren Kierkegaard, Jesus wants followers, not admirers. Whether we say yes to yes or no to him, is apparently less important to him than what we actually do. The important thing is what our lives say. And they are as easy for most people to read as the story of the yes and no children. Again, Barbara Brown Taylor says, to tell which of the yes or no children you are, look in any mirror What is moving, your mouth or your feet? To put a finer point on it, just a few chapters down past Matthew 21, we get to the whitewashed tomb words of Jesus in chapter 23. And if you keep going to Matthew 25, this is where we find Jesus calling the yes child and the no child, the sheep and the goats. And Jesus gives us a clear image of who it is that will be entering the kingdom. Don't get me wrong, I am not arguing this morning for works salvation. And I'm not suggesting that what we believe has no importance. But perhaps this morning could just be an invitation. As you reflect on this parable, these words of Jesus, for a bit of soul-searching, to find yourself in this story, to think of the yes child and the no child and ask again, Which one am I? Sorry, just a minute. Serena, how's the cleaning going? How's the doing? You're almost done. Okay. I know you said yes, but um, 
There's a lot of work to do. She's on her way. Thanks. Theo, I, hey, do you want to get involved? It's not too late. There's, no. Oh, man. God is active and moving in this world. God is bringing renewal. God is making all things new. He is restoring what is broken with imagination and creativity and beauty. In our schools, in our hospitals, in our places of work, in our in our homes, in our neighborhoods, with families and friends, God is at work. He's moving. He's working through expressions of love and compassion and generosity and hospitality and grace. Wait. Grace. Grace, this may be a key point here. Grace. Grace. Serena, I know you said yes to doing some work around here. How's it going? Are you working? You're working real hard. I hear you saying yes and sitting there. Theodore. Look, Theodore, there's a lot of work to do. There's dusting, and do you want to get involved? Yes. <gasps> Let's give him a hand. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Grace. Check it out. I told him, you, you, if you want to go around and clean, go for it. Grace. Grace means this in the story. We can all get on board with participation in the grand restorative work of God. So I've been a part of First Baptist for a little bit now. I'm slowly getting to know folks. It's been a blessing to be a part of this congregation. Largely, I'm just trying to wrangle my kids every week, but it's, it's a wonderful community to be coming more and more a part of. Um, and, and the sense that, I've, uh, that I have of First Baptist Church, for the most part, we're good with rolling up our sleeves and getting to work. We're good with the fact that there's a vineyard to tend. We're good with that here, with putting on our shoes with practicing what we preach, we're good with that. We're not like these Pharisees and teachers of the law, right? We put our words into action for the most part here. But grace, grace enters the picture here in this parable. When Jesus refers to the tax collectors and the prostitutes, and suggests they're the ones getting in before you guys. Grace. 
Shane Claiborne calls it the wages of grace, as though extending grace costs us something. Like, surely this goes way too far. Grace takes the fairness out of things. I liked what Will Willimon said about this. As an aside to Jesus, I'm not all that surprised that you would love me and my friends and even dare die for us. What surprises me is that you would love my neighbor. Yeah, the one who plays loud rap music through the night, keeps a pit bull in the yard, and possesses Neanderthal political opinions. That one. As much as you would love and save me? Why, Jesus? We, the righteous ones, the insiders, those well-schooled in the faith, those of us in the theological know, hated him for it. Just when I settle in and try to reduce Jesus' love to me and my friends huddled in the church, I hear him say to us, the faithful, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they're going into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, ahead of you. Ouch! Ahead of me? These latecomers? Grace. It could be that after your years of faithful obedience, after my years of growing up Baptist and attending church and all the yes, yes, yes that we've been doing, it could be that the ones who've been saying no, 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 have a last-minute change of heart and get caught up and enveloped in God's grace. And it could be that those people jump on board and get into the kingdom ahead of us. The tax collectors and prostitutes in Jesus' day, who is it in our day? Who are the hated ones in our day, the ones that just get under our skin, the ones we do not want to see in front of us in line? No, they belong back there, don't they? Grace, not fair, but it's in this parable too. It's never too late for us or for our neighbors or for the ones that we despise or for the ones that despise us. Some get on the train early on, and they enjoy the ride. Some get on the train near the back at the last minute, but the train is moving along towards the same destination, and it's a long train with lots of room, lots of stops along the way for more to get on. Hop on. We're going to a good place. Grace. There's more room for us to get on. It's never too late. So, Serena, I love you. I really do. But I got to say, this morning, you were a yes, yes, yes. 
Did anybody here see her actually working? Mm, no. I'm a bit disappointed. And Theodore, Theo is like, he's probably cleaning in the basement right now. Let's give these two a hand. God bless you as you continue worshiping today.